Good morning. <laughs> it's good to see you all. <laughs> if you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're tuning in. Whether it's live or whether it's at another time, uh, we, we know that uh, people watch at all different times uh, online. So, hey, this weekend we're talking about, uh, the, the title of the message is Do Your Job, and it's actually a sermon to me, so you can listen while I preach to myself this morning. Uh, but there's a number of, unfortunately, bad examples of shepherds, pastors out there. Let me give you a couple of examples. One pastor described flying commercial as being in a long tube with a bunch of demons and uh, ju- used that to justify his uh, purchase of a $20 million Citation 10. Don't know that, what that is, but it's a $20 million plane and also a stream uh, V jet and also owning an airport because he didn't want to be in with the rest of the bunch of demons. I fly commercial, so I don't know what I think about that. Another pastor is selling lots in his development in the Ozarks and he's asking his audience, and this is what he says, he says, where are you going to go when the world's on fire? Well, not California, but Essentially, uh, where are you going to go when everything goes? And he basically says, come to my place, you know. One pastor gave his wife a $200,000 uh, Lamborghini SUV for their eighth anniversary. He wrote in an Instagram, he said, God help me to make my wife's dream come true. Sorry, Carol, you get a Yugo. One pastor admitted to wearing a wire at his healing rallies where he conned people into believing that he could not only diagnose but heal their ailments. I read this week about a pastor that I'm not going to mention his name, teacher, who basically led a dual life. And if I mentioned the name to you, you would be shocked. This is happening all over our country and around the world. And in our passage this weekend, Peter is basically going to say, shepherds, elders, this is your job. Do your job. So let's look at that passage this weekend. We're in 1 Peter chapter uh, 5. We're going to just look at the first four verses. Peter has a lot to say to people like me. And uh, it may be that you're here and you're saying, well, I'm not a pastor. Let me check out. And all I would say to you is this is not just for shepherds. It's also for the sheep. So let me read that passage. First Peter five, verse one to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not as pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. So we're talking about really three different words that describe what we're, we're, what Peter's talking about. First, he talks about uh, an elder. Presbyteros is basically the word we use for elder. And it's not talking about somebody who's older, somebody who's 
elderly, that's not what he means. This is an office. It's the title of elder. Uh, the other word he's using is poimeo, which is basically to shepherd. And essentially, the word pastor isn't used in Scripture. Shepherd is used in Scripture. And so the elder is really the office. The shepherd is really the function. What is the elder to do? And in this case, what is the shepherd to do? Moses was a shepherd over his father-in-law Jethro's flocks. And that was to prepare him for a day when ultimately he would become the shepherd, the leader over the nation of Israel as he led them out of Egypt. David began as a, remember, as a shepherd boy, remember when the prophet came in and looked at the sons of Jesse and said, isn't there another son somewhere? Oh yeah, he's out with the flocks. There's a little runt of a boy out with the flocks. David was a shepherd of his family, family's herd, his family's flock. And, uh, basically became the king over Israel. And so God used those examples. But Moses and David were really not shepherds. They were under shepherds, meaning the flocks weren't theirs. They were merely under the shepherd. They were under Moses, under his brother-in-law, and David under his father. And ultimately, the pastor is under God. Good Good shepherds remember the flocks are not theirs. It's not my church. Uh, they are trusted by the good shepherd. They are merely under shepherds. So we, we call this Hope Church, and sometimes we use a phrase, is, is that Matt Collins' church, or is this somebody else's church? It's not my church. It, it's, it's his church. The church belongs to him. So those are the three titles, elder, shepherd, and really under shepherd. That's really what Peter is addressing this morning. And there's three things that he says that shepherds should be doing. Number one, they're to lead the flock. They're to lead the flock. Now, the ancient shepherd did not drive the flock uh, like a cowboy drives a herd of cattle. They would walk with the flock in front of the flock, and they would lead the flock. That was their role, to lead the flock to uh, different things. And we read the 23rd Psalm, and the 23rd Psalm alludes to this leading of a shepherd. And it says this in 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, or he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. See, he leads me, right? He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. So the, the job of the shepherd was to lead, to lead the sheep to places where there would be water, there would be nourishment. And so the shepherd or the under shepherd is not a cowboy leading a, a, a drive, a cattle drive. It's a shepherd leading sheep. He walks ahead of them. He doesn't drive them from behind. Now, sheep aren't always easy to lead. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> they wander off. In fact, the Bible says something spiritually about every one of us because we're all sheep. And uh, the prophet Isaiah makes a, a, a very important comment about every one of us and every one of our hearts. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him. We know that to be Jesus Christ, fulfillment of that. 
The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so essentially what uh, the writer Isaiah is saying, the prophet Isaiah is saying, is sheep stray. And we stray spiritually, don't we, if we're honest? And that's why the great shepherd came to save the lost sheep. The second thing that the shepherd does is the shepherd is called to feed the flock. And one of the major tasks of a shepherd is to teach the flock. Now, here's what I try to do week in and week out. And you could be the judge of this. Um, it's kind of like a mom making meals. Generally, uh, when you eat the meals, they're hopefully nutritious. They taste good. They're, uh, they they uh, are well-made. And, and, you know, they're just... They're just basic meals. And then every now and then you have a feast. You have Thanksgiving. You have, you know, Christmas dinner. You have birthday dinners. You have these special events. And you know what? Every weekend here, it's not going to be Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving or your birthday. <laughs> it's going to be just a general, take the passage of Scripture. What does the passage say? What is it that we need to take from it? What, we, what do we need to learn from it? And how do we need to grow from it? That's essentially what I try to do every week, to try to provide a, a, a steady, balanced diet. And so we pray long and hard about what should we teach next. And so let, to let you know where we're going to go next, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians next. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians once we get done with First Peter. But here's the problem. Sheep are like your kids. They like junk food. They do. They like junk food. They want you to talk about the prophecy and the timetable, and they want to talk about this, and they want to talk about that. It's all flashy. It's all dessert. It's all, it's all like, wow, wow, wow. And what sheep really need is quiet waters, good grass. They need steady, balanced diet. But just like your kids who say, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to. Now, we've gone through First Peter, and there's some passages that I'll be honest with you, I would not have picked those passages to preach because it's like, okay, there's a lot of questions there that I don't have answers for. <laughs> but we did because this is what was next. This is what was next. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, this was the call that Jesus made to Peter. Remember when the disciples, after the resurrection, they're out on a boat, and Peter looks, perks up, and someone else perks up, and he says, hey, there's somebody on the, on the shore. It looks like the Lord. And Peter looks and goes, yeah, I think it is. He takes off of his outer cloak, and he jumps in the water, and he swims over, and, P and Jesus makes him a meal. And then after the meal, Peter and Jesus kind of have a, it was literally the first coming to Jesus meeting, okay? Uh, John chapter 21, here's what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And we don't know if he's talking about the rest of the disciples or what he's talking about. And he says, yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, make a lot of money, get a jet, get famous, write books. And he didn't say any of that. He said, and nothing's wrong with some of those things. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let me ask you a question. What's your spiritual diet look like? What are you feeding your your mind, your heart, your soul? Sometimes we, we're listening to things, we're watching things, we're on, the, on Facebook, or we're on Instagram, we're on the net, and we're looking at all these things. And, and whether we know it or not, we're feeding our hearts, we're feeding our minds. Sometimes we have angry hearts or we have confused hearts. And I don't know about you, but the events of this last week, I think some of us are going, okay, so what now? And, and some of us, as we get more towards the election, are getting more polarized and more angry. And uh, I think of Psalm 23. He leads us behind the calm and still waters. If you need to calm your heart and you feel like your heart is just kind of racing out of control, out of fear, out of anger, out of confusion, out of anxiety, it may be because you've not allowed your heart to settle in his word. All right, the third thing that the shepherd does is the shepherd protects the flock. The Bible tells us that in the last days there's going to be false deceivers. And I mentioned one pastor who was essentially deceiving people. He was basically getting information before the rally. He would have his spotters pick out people and he would tell them things that they thought, well, he must be getting this from God. He wasn't getting it from God. He was a shyster, but he was in wolf's clothing. And God condemns these false shepherds uh, who believe, uh, who behave as wolves. And all they're doing is trying to build themselves up. They're scattering and devouring the sheep. And Paul says within the church right now, there are wolves. There are false teachers, but they're posing as shepherds. They're posing as sheep to deceive. And, and we need discerning. We need to be discerning. And I think that's partly maybe one of the messages that every one of us ought to take away is don't believe everything you hear or see. Be a Berean. The Bereans were the ones when Paul taught, they went home and they said, where is it written? One of the things of the EFCA, that we're part of the EFCA, Evangelical Free Church of America, one of the things that we, we is one of our bylines is, where is it written? You leave today and say, okay, what, when Matt said this, I don't know if I, if that's true. Where is this? I remember as a young Christian, sometimes I heard the pastor say something and I'm going, oh, that's, that's just not true. They go and look in the Bible and go, but it is. <laughs> I don't like it, but it is true. And there were other times I heard things and I go, I don't think that's true. And I look and go, yeah, no, that's not true. That's what it means to be a Berean. And this is what Peter, or excuse me, what Paul says. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is Paul giving instruction to elders and pastors. Be good shepherds of the church of God. It's not your church, it's God's, which he brought with his, bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And so Paul's basically saying the church is a dangerous place. There are people who are deceptive within the church. Don't believe everything you hear and everything you see. All right, so... 
as we think about the idea of why, and he gives three reasons. He says three reasons why pastors, shepherds shouldn't serve. This shouldn't be the motivation. And number one is don't serve for praise. Our goal as a pastor, my goal as a pastor, is to serve out of delight, not out of duty. I'd like to say that happens every day of my life here, <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's not always possible because the sheep can be a little prickly sometimes. Yeah, I know they, they're depicted as really fluffy and nice and all that stuff, but they bite and they're prickly. Most pastors will soon leave uh, the ministry and they're going to learn that uh, if, if, they're, if they're getting into the ministry for affirmation and encouragement, they have just paved the road for their own destruction because it ain't going to happen. Let me just say something. Carol and I have been absolutely hurt by every church we've ever been in, leading in churches, whether it's in a youth position or a senior pastor position. Uh, my last church, this church, absolutely hurt more than you know don't want to talk about it but that is just absolutely true and um if we had entered the ministry for not to get hurt to be encouraged to be affirmed we would have left a long time ago um but here's the thing we really aren't here to serve you we're here to serve him this is not my church, this is his church. And I've said this before, that if it comes down to me winning or the church winning, the church always wins, I always lose. It has to be that way. Because I'm not the bride. And, and I'm not the groom. You know, you know, you see what I'm saying. And so we continually remind ourselves and this is really an important principle for us that we we act on our behalf out of necessity and many times we do that we do it because we have to but we think about god and god didn't act out of necessity god acted out of grace and because god showed us that grace we want to show grace even when the flock becomes difficult and prickly and angry and mean and all those other things that happen. So that's the first thing. We should never serve for praise. Secondly, we're not to serve for profit. Sadly, in a couple of the examples I gave you, and I can name you more and more and more and more and more, that uh, many pastors see ministry as a way to make a buck off the backs of vulnerable and needy people. And one day they're going to have to stand before God and give an answer to that. Um, a shepherd must never enter the ministry thinking they will get rich. Number one, it's foolishness. That will never happen. Um, personally, I am amazed as I look back over the years of how we ever made it. <laughs> Absolutely amazed. There were times where we prayed and said, just God, you have to answer this prayer because we have no idea what we're going to do. Give you one quick example. My oldest boy was out in the parking lot. He was four years old, Carol, something like that, four years old. 
And we were married students, kind of training for ministry, involved in a couple different churches, picked up a rock, threw it at a window, broke a window. back then was a lot of money, and uh, it still is today for us, but $300, right? We didn't know where we were going to get the money for that. Carol called the Bible study that she would go to and say, hey, I'm not coming, and this is kind of what happened. It was a church that I was serving in, and the ladies uh, took it as a prayer request, and we heard the stories after the fact that... uh, Essentially, they said, hey, we've got a broken window, we won't be able to come. And the ladies, would you just pray? We just don't know what we're going to do. And the ladies got together for their prayer time at the end of their study. And one of the ladies said, why are we praying? We have enough money right here. Let's just send a hat around and get whatever. You know how much money they got together? Yeah, I don't know if it was on the dime, but it's $300. We didn't know what it was going to cost. It. I could tell you story after story after story after story. Now, God has given this community the responsibility to support this ministry and to support us as a, as a, as a family and, and our, our staff. That's your responsibility. In fact, this is what... Uh, Paul says in Timothy, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well, uh, well, are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in, in, in preaching and teaching. And so I just want to ask you, are you doing your part? Are you taking the responsibility? Uh, if you're part of the flock, if, if you're part of this community, then you have a responsibility uh, for this uh, community, for the ministry. So there's a plug. All right, third thing. Let's try that one more time. There we go. They shouldn't do it for power. Now, I've seen so many power struggles over the years here at the, my last church, and it's, it's kind of, uh, ooh, wow. You know, it's like you, 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 we all, I always get nervous when we bring new staff on because sometimes the new staff will say, oh, I get to work with the church. It's going to be so great. I'm going to be working with God's people. And I'm going, oh boy, I've got to have a talk with you. (laughs) And I tell them about the weight of ministry, and I tell them about how sheep sometimes bite and all these other things. Try to prepare them and and try to, you know, help them understand. But uh, I have seen power struggles within Christian organizations and with churches where it can get pretty ugly. The The funny thing is it's always couched in very spiritual terms. It's It's stuff like this. This is... This is not necessarily pointing to any person or anything, but I've heard things similar to this. Pastor, I'm concerned about the direction of the ministry, so I've decided to take some of the people who see what I'm seeing and start a new work. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, it's always couched in, God has laid this on my heart, you know, and this and yeah, okay. But the pastor is called to be a teacher, an administrator, a caregiver, a strategic planner, a person of integrity. But first and foremost, Jesus says, no, the primary role of the pastor is to be a servant. 
He said that to his disciples. It is one of the most important passages in the Gospel of Mark. In fact, the theme of Mark is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Uh, they're arguing about who's the greatest and, oh, I'm better than you. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I was here. I did this. And, and they're all arguing. And, so, you know, a couple of them said, can I be seated at the right and left hand when we get to heaven with you in the middle, of course. But, but, but you know, and the moms are involved and there's all this going on. This, this jockeying for position and Jesus sits them down and he says this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. You remember what, what Peter says? Don't lord it over them. He says, you know, you know those regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them and he says not so with you instead whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many that is the theme of mark jesus didn't come to be served he came to serve he didn't come to take he came to give he came to give his life as a ransom for you and for me. I don't know where you're at spiritually today. I don't know if you've ever called upon the Lord today. I don't know if you dealt with a sin in your life and you don't, you, maybe you don't have peace with God today. The Bible says that Christ came from heaven to earth. He got off of his throne and he became born as a baby in a manger to a poor family. And he lived a very ordinary life, but he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died. He climbed up on a cross and he says, I love you this much that I will give my life for you. He died for what we should have died for. He took the punishment, the wrath that we should have taken. He took our sin and gave us life. And I don't know if you've ever called upon the Lord, but he gave his life as a ransom for you. He came for you. And the Bible says if you'll call upon the Lord, you will be saved. You'll have peace with God. And you'll have life eternal. That's the gospel. Paul says this in Thessalonians, he's joined together in following my examples, brothers and sisters. And just as you have uh, us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. In fact, that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See, here's kind of been my way of doing ministry as a servant of jesus i must always serve the flock with his cross in my sight because that's the model that's the example that's the role that he's called shepherds to play but there are rewards uh you know there's a passage in uh the book of revelation and there's a lot there that you go, okay, what's happening here? What's going on here? I don't really understand that. This is confusing. And it is. It's apocalyptic literature. It's very difficult. It's, it's you know, there's all these debates on what it's saying. And I don't think it's a blueprint. And there's a lot of, but there's one thing I do know. And a clear passage. And it says this. Revelation 4. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever 
they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is what elders will do before the throne. They will lay their crowns before the king, the chief shepherd of the flock. That's the day I'm looking forward to. Let's pray. So, Father, help me to be the shepherd that you've called me to be. Help those folks that are joining live or online, wherever they are, to understand that they're, whether they know it or not, they're part of a flock. It's imperfect. They're sheep. They sin. They bite. They're prickly. They're difficult. They're argumentative. I should stop there. But Father, thank you that you love them. And help us to be the sheep that you've called us to be. Help us to be faithful to the shepherd that you've put us under. And help us to understand that we are called to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And Father, I pray for the pastors in this community in the United States, that they would first and foremost not seek power, not seek prestige, not seek, seek profit, but they would seek to be servants of the flock that you put under them. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to have minds and hearts that are discerning of the wolves among us, whether they be teachers or whether they be sheep. May you help us to discern false teaching and false Christ. Uh, thank you for this community, Father. Thank you for this flock. I pray that it would flourish. I thank you for blessing us. And I pray that we would always remain true to your calling and that we would always be following our great shepherd. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.